Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is an episode of The Clone Wars Report. <laughs> You gotta work, oh. on it. work on it. 
No, it was great. It, it transitioned from uh, like oldie time breaking news report to like some freestyle jazz. Jazz. Yeah. Well, you know, remember remember the '90s when CNN decided to put some branding on a war. You know, like I just like <laughs> making it a little different. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I liked you know classic CNN. That was just what sounded to me of like straight up Darth Vader saying, "This is CNN." <laughs> <laughs> The dark side of that. Ne- ne- never mind. That, 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 that don't don't derive any meaning from that. Uh, just having fun with Darth Vader. Let's move on uh, to talking about Clone Wars. Uh, I am Joseph Scrimshaw, and you, of course, are Ken Napsock. That's right, Ken Napsock on the news music. Uh, we are having a great deal of fun discussing the entire Clone Wars animated series, going in chronological order. We are discussing uh, these by basically storyline. So if there's just one episode in a storyline, we'll discuss that episode or this particular week that we're doing this podcast. We are discussing the entire Malevolence arc. There are three episodes in this arc. There's Rising Malevolence, which is season one, episode two. Then Shadow of Malevolence, which is season one, episode three. Then Destroy Malevolence, which is season one, episode four. Ken, do you like those titles? Oh, I love those titles. Even when I occasionally struggle to say malevolence, which is just one of those words, I switch the letters around in my head. And uh, but I've been pretty solid this week. I'm pra- I've been practicing. Malevolence. The great thing about the word malevolence is you kind of have to slow down to say it. You kind of have to say it like you are a supervillain telling the hero your plan while you have them tied up in a chair. You have to say malevolence. Uh, so we're going to dig into all of it uh, this first half of our podcast episode we like to get into the big themes the big ideas talk about those morals that are on the beginning of every episode of the clone wars and then the second half we get into all of the fun action moments the fun comedy moments any things that didn't work for us all that kind of stuff but let's start with a summary uh this one i just plain old wrote out because there's kind of a lot of malevolence going on Mm. So uh, the big picture of the arc, the Separatists have developed a massive ship called the Malevolence, armed with two massive ion cannons, which allow them to knock power out from Republic ships and then blow them away with laser fire. And in the first episode, Plo Koon and his clones are left for dead while Anakin and Ahsoka bend the rules to rescue them. Then in the second episode, Anakin comes up with a reckless rule-bending plan to destroy the ship and kill Grievous, Uh, but after heavy losses of Shadow Squadron, Y-Wings, and their pilots, he pivots to destroying the Ion Cannons. In the third and final episode, the Jedi close in on the wounded ship, Uh, so Palpatine lures Padme into a trap and gets her on board the Malevolence. Then Anakin, Obi-Wan, 3PO, R2, and Padme all work together to destroy the Malevolence once and for all. Grievous lives to fight and escape and fight and escape again several more times. That's what happens in the arc, but let's talk about what's what's really happening underneath. Is that a good summary? That's a great summary, including the little detail of Palpatine kind of being like, oh, let's try to get Padme off that board. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely uh, definitely one of the things that I am excited to talk about because it's a great detail. Uh, because, of course, this arc is three episodes. We have three morals. Ken, mm. the morals are belief is not a matter of choice, but of conviction. Yes. Easy is the path to wis- wisdom for those not blinded by ego. A plan is only as good as those who see it through. Now, which of those morals, if any, speak to you? I... Well, me? Yeah. Uh, wow. We always learn a lot about ourselves on these shows. I think it's a, a plan is only as good as those that, that see it through. I, 
love the other ones, understand the other ones, but I am, uh, I mean, right now on my desk, can you hear this noise? This, you know what it is? It's stack of stacks and stacks of post-it notes. And on every post-it note has a plan for tomorrow, Joseph. <laughs> I've got some plans that have been here on this post-it note for weeks and months. <sighs> One guest, I finally booked a guest on the Knapsack Files that I first talked to five years ago. Oh, wow. You followed through. <laughs> life life got in the way and we've stayed in contact. We keep joking about it, but it's finally happening. So that one for me, for me, uh, you can have all the plans in the world. You got to see it through. Do or yeah. do not. There is no post-it notes. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of do or do not in all of these. Belief is not a matter of choice, but of conviction of saying, I absolutely believe. I'm not just choosing to believe to see if it works out. Like, okay, <laughs> I'll believe on Tuesday, I guess, to see if it works out. But belief is is conviction. That one is great. Um, I think all these for me, they they match the episodes well. Like uh, sometimes I feel like they always match the episode well, but some of them are really pluck out what I think is is truly the big theme of that part of the arc. You know, easy is the path to with wisdom for those not blinded by ego is pretty direct. You know, Anakin, you know, listens to other people and he's not blinded by his ego and that leads him to making a better choice. It's a, so straightforward and clear. Do you feel like these, um, that these match their episodes well? Oh, very much. Yeah. Almost to the point of, you know, this, this is in our Clone Wars rewatch. This is the first arc in the movie it was, you know, four episodes in one giant sitting, right? This is the first arc where we knew like our notes were going to have to incorporate three episodes and they all tied together well, but they're so distinct in their own wonderful way. That I even forgot, like the third, I've, I not forgot, but just like, oh yeah, it's right, Padme, and that cool subway system in the ship. And all <laughs> so yeah, no, they all really, really work uh, for me. Um, uh, particularly, I really love episode one of the arc with the Plo Koon stuff. Uh, we'll get into it. The Plo Koon stuff's wonderful, and and and, and there, there's a lot about um, uh, conviction in in your beliefs there. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a really great thing uh, to point out. And I think the morals help us uh, see that, that these episodes absolutely form an arc in terms of the literal plot of dealing with the malevolence. I think there are some thematic things that tie the three episodes together, but they also do all have their own distinct uh, flavor and distinct ideas. Um, the thing that I was really struck by, by putting all three morals together and asking myself the question I asked you of which ones speak to me, um, belief is not a matter of choice, but of conviction. I think that one's great. But the other two really spoke to me, um, uh, I think, because it made me start to wonder, are these morals, we know these morals are, hey, uh, Star Wars is supposed to be uh, didactic. It's supposed to be a life lesson for the 12-year-olds and all of us. Uh, but they also start to sound to me like, are these also just like good advice about working together on creative projects? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, because it felt like, oh, that's a lesson I learned. Oh, that's a lesson I need to I've learned, but I need to remember oh, that's I wish other people would follow through well on their plan. <laughs> grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. Like and it started to strike me as like, is this someone on the creative team kind of going, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> remember a plan. Is, we made these animatics. A plan is only as good as those who see it through. Uh, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps a good, Uncle George was sitting in that flannel around those big what were the oak tables up at Skywalker Ranch and those clips you always see from the Clone Wars days? Yeah. Going, all right, team meeting. Dave Filoni's sketching a wolf and listen to the wisdom. <laughs> yep, all those videos. Yep, yep. Uh, but now I'm not going to be able to escape that every time we look at morals of like, these are yeah. great morals uh, for life and for the mythos of Star Wars. And how many of them apply 
project, yeah. <laughs> creative projects. Uh, so let's get into the episodes themselves. Uh, this whole big arc. What was your overall reaction? Did you love it, like it, struggle with it? Well, where did you end up? So I've always loved this arc, and I give this one the credit for for hooking me into the Clone Wars. Which in an air date, not even not chronologically, uh, but an air date, it's early, right? Mm-hmm. Why right, we got uh, ambush, and then these three. Yep. Yep. Very so, early in the run. Yeah. But it didn't because the movie had come out and conversations and clips were already out. This was the moment. At some point, I can't pinpoint exactly. And, and rewatching it did bring back some of the nostalgia to 2008. But I couldn't pinpoint the exact moment of just me going, oh, okay. This is not going to be Ewoks, the Saturday morning cartoon, or Droids, the Saturday morning cartoon. Mm-hmm. Or anything, it, it, which is what was in my head as a Star Wars fan for that generation. Of like, a Star Wars animated show didn't, ah, oh, man, come on. Uh, I, I remember looking at this one and just being like, I like what they're doing here. I like what I'm seeing. And it ties into this. Now I have looked back and go, you know, this could have been the movie they've released. Maybe not really. I think I still like the choices that they, they did zero of the hut and all of it, even, even included. Uh, I still get why those other ones were put into the movie. But this one has classic Star Wars stuff, the big weapon that you need to destroy. It has an Obi-Wan Grievous lightsaber battle. Padme's in action. Political intrigue behind that. It's even got 3PO comedy. Put a pin in that. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. But it's got all like, it's, it's movie things. And I remember, th- so I was analyzing it this weekend while I was watching. I was going, yeah, this could have been the movie. I don't know if I fully believe that. But the reason why is, Joseph, this is just so cinematic. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was reacting to back in 2008. I remember having a conversation, texting some of my friends, uh, Harloff included, of just going, yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot of great Star Wars in this. This isn't a Saturday morning cartoon. And and that's why I'll, I'll always cherish these three arcs. Oh, man, that, that makes a ton of sense from that perspective. Um, yeah, I, I came to Clone Wars later, as we've talked about. Uh, so I, I think I really like this arc. There's some individual ideas in scenes and moments that I love. Uh, mm. I think I I would say I like this arc. What I like about it is kind of what you're describing is I feel like there are some, it's really trying to be an epic scale adventure. I forget that sometimes. And it's nice to be reminded when I go back to watch it that malevolence is a huge threat, that it is almost a early Death Star level this is a mechanical monstrosity that's going to slaughter so many people and already has. Like, it's just, you know, in mm-hmm. the the newsreel trailer that it's been, nobody knows what the weapon is and it's popping up and it is depowering and, in, in, well, they don't even know it's depowering. It is somehow mysteriously destroying these huge uh, Republic ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you really get that scale of this is a grand epic adventure with many, many lives at stake, huge, huge stakes. Um so you get that great, it's a great epic about an incredibly frightening piece of technology, but then it has all these ideas about the costs of war. So it's mm-hmm. like, all right, uh, Lucas uh, and Filoni, and, and, but, you know, Lucas driving of, I want to keep telling this story of the Clone Wars. I want to have, you know, comedy and action and adventure and fun and life lessons, but I really want to center on, here's, here's this, this tension of, of Star Wars it is about war, and that means big, epic-scale action, but then also we have to take a step back and go, but what are the costs of war? What are the decisions 
of war, those moral decisions you make. And I think this arc is really good at, at bringing all those things out. Uh, mm-hmm. I like those lessons about when to take risks, when not to uh, talk about some Star Wars poetry that is going on with both Anakin and Ahsoka. I think it's easy to uh, forget um, and uh, and not value the quality time with Plo Koon, particularly, you know, for somebody like you who is sitting down and watching it. You know, yeah. you watch uh, the prequels and it's cool to see all the Jedi and go, Opal Rancisis, is that a snake guy in the background? Mm-hmm. Like, well, we got Kiati Mundi being uh, really judgmental and wrong a lot. And Plo Koon looks cool. But damn, Plo Koon speaks quality time with Plo Koon. Yeah. Like that can't be underestimated how cool that is. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is one of those moments where you really uh, figure out like, oh, it's not just Yoda. Yeah. who gets his own episode in ambush like we're gonna meet these jedi who've just been floating around in the background during the actual movies uh yeah. it, and then i think the go, oh sorry go ahead no 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 i know and i, I don't want to interrupt your flow there but yeah i i that's a big big thing for me why i love these and particularly the first episode is the, the plo Koon stuff exactly what you're describing joseph exactly what we're describing of like oh okay uh, we're we're going to some of the other uh, players on the on the roster here, and I like it. And there's some stuff that now I loved it then, and there was some stuff that just kind of moved me on a oh man, that's sweet way. Now watching it between Plo Koon and, and Ahsoka, we'll we'll list and get specific later. But I, I really think it's it's great that you brought that up. Yeah, and I mean, it, just getting to spend time with the uh, deeper bench Jedi is amazing, but the actual Plo Koon stuff here is ooh high quality. Uh, I think the reason for me that I that that I don't you know just unabashedly love it like I do many episodes of Clone Wars is I think this is early on and there's still some of the Clone Wars uh, animated series figuring out what it's going to be and it was uh, it's got some of those early Clone Wars wrinkles to me which is the you know the balance of uh, comedy. Uh, is sometimes uh, good with the drama and for me sometimes not and it can be a little uh, we talked about it la- this last week and we mm-hmm. will again that sometimes that the how quickly the battle droids <laughs> go from very simple fun silly humor to terrifying faces of death we we, we are gonna I'm, i don't want to step on what's coming later you and i are thinking of a lot of moments, but I guarantee we're thinking of this specific, the same one that I just don't know what to do with. <laughs> I, there's, there's a couple, but yeah, definitely there's some, there's some <laughs> disturbing ones. Um, and then I also think there's something that uh, I want to discuss this more uh, when we get uh, down later in the episode to uh, things that we wrestled with. It's a thing that happened that does happen in the prequels that does, I don't even really hear or feel or be bothered by in the actual films anymore, but it happens in early Clone Wars animated series as well, which is, a lot, a lot, a high volume of callbacks to pre-existing lines in Star Wars. In sometimes their poetry, sometimes it's like, oh, the same thing that's been said about Luke is be has been said about his father in the past. And other times it's just sort of like characters yeah. saying lines we know. And sometimes it's meaningful, and sometimes it isn't. But for me, in this arc, in these three episodes, there get to be so many of them that it starts to take me out of the episode. Hmm, yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Cause there's some that I'm like, Oh, I really love that. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I think, um, especially in the context of 2008. Yeah. There was a lot of like, uh, yeah, yeah, that thing. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's a fair criticism or I don't, I don't want to say that you're using it as a criticism, but I'll say it's, it's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a, like all of my, <laughs> like the majority of my criticisms, not all of them. I know many of my criticisms, it's a light one, but I, I, I'm curious to hear what, what you think and kind of run through some of them. So I'm looking sure. forward to talking about that down the line. Uh, but for now, let's get into the big ideas, the big themes uh, for you. 
you could go episode by episode if you wanted or big picture what you think connects all this entire arc. But for you, what are some of the resonant themes? What are the ideas that are at stake in this uh, series of episodes? Sure. For me, I'll, I'll maybe start on the surface and a little bit of, of in-story stuff and, and we'll go from there. But the idea of, of the war has just begun roughly, right? We, we've seen a lot already in the chronological order, but it's still early on enough following attack the clones G- battle genosis all that kind of stuff so for me the republic is now learning their what they're really up against it's maybe a war they weren't prepared for a war that suddenly they have to fight we know about what the jedis feel about that so there is uh some beliefs at, at play here and well we we know what we have to do at least we feel we have to do do we really want to do that and then and then learning that like well what what we're really fighting for you and I talk about a lot about how you fight or what you're fighting for big themes, particularly in clone wars, but now it's to break it down to a, a, a micro level and the clones, we get a lot of um, stuff. We've got a, an ambush with Yoda, which you and I love. And then we got a little bit here with Plo uh, saying, you know, no, I, I value you and, and you are not just these weapons of war tossed into um, a field of, of battle. Uh, I, I mean something. So that, so that is the Republic having to be like, all right, we're fighting this big war, but what's really at stake is this. And we maybe might be blinded by our own thoughts and beliefs, but we got to be con- convicted <laughs> in our, in our beliefs. And then we are up against something we didn't expect the war, the separatists. And now this weapon, one of my first favorite little moments will it's not on my list for later, so I'm not stepping on it too much. But just <laughs> that, that shot of the 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 malevolence against the um, silhouetted against the 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 planet, right? The big red just orb. Yeah, uh, Abogado system, I believe. Yeah, thank you, Abogado system. Um, sounds like a Adam Sandler punchline, but um, <laughs> it, it just that, that beautiful shot, right? But this ship is massive, and to me, that's kind of what the Republic is learning. What we are in is massive. And to win this, we're really going to have to follow through on what we got to do. So to me, that's each episode in the bigger picture of the story of Star Wars. That's so great to just pull out the the malevolence as a sort of metaphor uh, that it is uh, symbolic of what they're dealing with, of like this uh, massive, mysterious force of death and destruction. And every time they kind of put some more light into the shadows and think they figure out what they're dealing with, there's more mystery there's more darkness there's more death and they don't understand the scale of what they're up against either like literally technologically with something like the malevolence and then obviously in the bigger picture they don't understand uh they're concerned about who is this maybe darth sidious whatever you know darth tyrannus involved but they don't know the big picture they don't know the full Mm -hmm. horror and they're not going to for a while until it's too late too late yeah and then yeah and who who and what you're fighting for yeah yeah, yeah, and who and what you're fighting for. Yeah, that's the thing that I that I really wanted to pick up on for the main theme for me, like a, that cuts across all three of the episodes. I think the individual episodes have a lot to say as well. Um, but on just the surface of the storytelling, there's so much about is Anakin uh, breaking the rules? Is he reckless? You know, uh, very very clearly tied to stories of of attachment. Uh, and then is Ahsoka going to be able to follow the rules? Is she going to uh, learn bad examples uh, mm. from Anakin? But I think what these episodes dive into really well is, yeah, you can say Anakin is reckless and that he breaks the rules and there are no other Jedis like him or Jedi like him. But this these episodes ask why. And it, it gets to be about compassion. And I feel like there's this main theme throughout them about is compassion a weakness or 
a strength. And we see all these different examples of different uh, characters taking actions either out of compassion or uh, misplaced compassion to, you know, rush forward in violence to, you know, end something before it gets too bad or to use compassion as a weapon uh, the way the separatists do. Uh, just a, a couple of just kind of concrete examples, you know, uh, Anakin and Ahsoka don't want to let Plo Koon and the uh, clones die, but they're taking this risk that the other Jedi are, keep telling of like, well, but we actually need you over here to pr- protect these, you know, these convoys. And there's this risk of other lives being lost if you go after just these few. Uh, we have Shadow Squadron's uh, devotion to Anakin, which uh, ends up kind of putting them in risk. There's this, that's an example of this you know, positive compassion between Anakin and the clones that ends up putting them at risk. And even the Shadow Squadron's uh, mantra of minimal casualties, maximum damage is a real question about uh, compassion. And of course, as Anakin often does, rushes off to rescue Padme uh, with no plan. Uh, It's a great compassion, but maybe a risk. Uh, There's this explicit conversation uh, between Dooku and Grievous uh, that they see the Jedi's treatment of their troops as a weakness, that they care about those clones. That's a weakness. In fact, let's target the medical outpost and murder up to 60,000 clones. Uh, big number. Big number. Really big number. Big, uh, big stakes. And I think, you know, it, it does uh, speak to issues of attachment. And it also, int- this theme also really kind of gets us into Ahsoka that we see so many examples where even at this young age where she, you know, has a lot to learn and she's going to over the course of the show, that there's a lot of moments where she manages to balance compassion with good sense. Whereas Anakin, you feel is right to be compassionate, but you're not always sure about the choices and the risks he takes because of his compassion. Whereas Ahsoka manages to balance it with good sense, like changing the plan when they're going to uh, attack the malevolence, that they can't destroy it anymore. They need a new plan. Mm. Mm. So how how did how did some of that uh, ideas about compassion land with you? Did you feel like um, that was a a good central question of you know how do we use our compassion in, in the best way? Yeah, and and, and relating it to, specifically to to Anakin knowing his journey and knowing how that can sometimes be his undoing from a certain point of view. I guess you could say at least to get him there, but it's so powerful in him and it drives him. So that's good, and that maybe down the line becomes bad. But uh, <laughs> I love it here. I love the interplay there. But yeah, it, um, that's that should be the central theme of of uh, any good team in Star Wars, right? Yeah, you and I um, got some great stuff coming up uh, on a future episode of Star Wars Rank about Leia and her compassion and what it means for the rebellion. So uh, I like that it's it should be a central theme of any war talk in Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and what, one specific uh, question I wanted to ask you is there's a lot in this about Jedi, other Jedi going, well, Anakin does things his own way. You know, I bet he's going to go off and do this. And the, the literal, you know, he craves adventure and excitement. Watching this arc and watching uh, Anakin's actions, do you think he actually does crave adventure or is it that he just really wants to be using his power at all times to save, to win, to act, to be moving forward? Like clearly he's impulsive. But there isn't much in this arc where you ever feel like Anakin's just like, I'm bored and I want to blow something up. Like, <laughs> yeah, even when his plan is over aggressive uh, with destroying the malevolence, it's you get the sense that it's because like, OK, well, eventually we're going to have to destroy it to save people. Right. So let's just go. Let's destroy it now. Why wait? Why wait? I, gr- 
great stuff because uh, was it was it Luminari that shows up in the hologram? And yeah, like right at the end, she's she's already in it to <laughs> be critical of Anakin right oh, at the end. Great point, and this is something that should be slightly confusing because Palpatine's able to use it against Anakin or with Anakin in, ter- in terms of his fall, right? Like you just you just got your skills and you could win the war. Uh, they they want to be boring, safe, and and not help people, right, Anakin? So it, it's used against him. So I don't think I think what you're saying, Joseph. My initial gut reaction is no. Anakin maybe maybe had the right idea, and it's our Jedi who are we justice for the Jedi is something we believe here. Yes, but hey, maybe what they've become and the institutions t- leading the way, and not the the actual uh, spiritual core of, of of what they're there for. So I I don't think he. There's no point in this. That, uh, that you're right that he's just like let's let's go grab a milkshake and fly around the galaxy and see what trouble we stir up this is all from the point of we must do what what is right so when when anakin runs up against the jedi order again and again and again doing what on some level could be considered right it, it's a it's it's a question i'm glad i don't have the straight answer for I yeah if that yeah yeah, no, it, yeah, because it tracks with, uh, I think, uh, noble things about Anakin going back to, you know, when he's a kid and he's dreaming he's a Jedi and came back and saved everybody on Tatooine, you know? Um, and now that he is, and now that he's in this war, and I get the sense that, like, oh, I'm sure all these other Jedi interacted with one another, you know, every once in a while and heard rumors and that, and like, oh, yeah, I'm here. I hear uh, Obi-Wan's Padawan did, did this crazy stunt, but now they're all kind of working together and all these Jedi going, damn, uh, he's always off doing things his own way um and and i like that there's that level of uh ambiguity or complexity Mm -hmm. that yeah it's really good to lead with compassion anakin does and for the most part he gets a couple people killed uh but for the most part it it works out this time but then the jedi are still correct to be concerned that yeah it it worked Mm -hmm. out well for you to risk sacrificing you know the greater good to save a few people this time but when that compassion curdles into fear of loss, it's a fine line. And and the Jedi are trying to teach him you, you got to be, you know, you 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 have to be able to let go for the greater good. You can't selfishly fear loss. But that also, uh, but it is good to have compassion. And these episodes wrestle with it and, and let you see it from a couple of different points of view. I love that now you're discussing the other side of the page. And that they could sit him down if they ever could get him to sit down later on and be like, <laughs> yes, but here's why. And here's what this could lead to. And, and uh, I saw a great um, like fan poster going around. of It's got uh, Anakin episode one, two, and three, and then Vader, right? And it's fear, uh, anger, hate, suffering, right? And yeah. Like, oh, that's great. Look at that. Put that on a wall and remind you of <laughs> how to fall or not fall to the dark side. So I think if, yeah, if the Jedi have the bigger picture... And they're just like, they want him to see step two might be anger, Anakin, careful, you know, and, and that does play out and is true. I would love to see those conversations. I wonder how some of, some of it has to do a little bit with, could there be jealousy? <laughs> I'm just listen, listening to you talk about the other Jedi. And there, is there a little bit of just like, gosh, that Anakin gets to do everything. <laughs> Get down, <Yeah>. Anakin. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I mean, maybe. I mean, I think maybe there is that it, that it is that criticism of rigidity of they mm-hmm. are pretty set in their ways. They they know that it is one of their principles to always question things, but also they're pretty sure that they drew up their battle plans and this is the best way to save the most people. So don't go over there and did that. Oh, you went over there and did that and that kind of worked. Okay. Yeah, like I, I yeah, sorry. It's it's a weird. It's not what the episode's about. It's not what the episode's about. But yeah, I just have like even I have a friend who's just I'm always like, that's not how it works. And then he does it and it succeeds. I'm like, God. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and Obi-Wan. Yeah. I mean, I love Obi-Wan, but that's a lot of his stuff early in the Clone Wars. It's like, Anakin, I told you to be over there. Don't, oh, did that work out? Okay. Well, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll be there in a minute to clean up if there's a mess. And like, you know. Yeah. 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 And I guess I think you could look at it as, you know, you, you talked about that great uh, poster representing, you know, Yoda's entirely accurate uh, quote. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's criticism to be had here, but but this is a kind of a march of, you know, it's uh, it's general compassion of, you know, we shouldn't leave in clones or Jedi. If they're survivors, we should try to find them in the first arc. And in the second arc, it's like, it's like I can't I can't let it, the medical people, the people on that medical outpost die. So I'm going to be as aggressive as possible. Uh, but then by the third episode, that compassion is I can't let Padme die even though she told me it's okay, I made my choice. Keep firing on the ship. Right. Then that compassion suddenly becomes selfish compassion, and, and that's the battle with Anakin. So interesting that it's revolving around Padme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, did you? Ha- I have one other theme for the arc, but did you have other ideas you wanted to discuss? No, hit me. I'm also laughing that uh, it's funny that that Yoda line was basically George's outline for the movies. We just didn't see it at the time. Yeah, no, I mean, people made made a lot of fun of it, myself included. Uh, I always liked the line, but I also, you know, thought think there's still something fun about it. But yeah, no, it is. It's it's like, here's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and it does uh, right down to the movie poster. Um, the other big theme that jumped out for me is was kind of framed by what Plo Koon says uh I'm paraphrasing, but sort of that Plo Koon says he doesn't believe in chance. So there's this theme about nothing happens by chance. And then everyone is watching the rest of the arc in that that frame of uh, I don't believe in chance um, that the Jedi don't know why things are happening. Uh, you know, even up to the point of Yoda saying they always seem to be ahead of us. Uh, we see a couple moments where Palpatine directly intervenes um, and actually does change the course of things. So like this battle is not happening by chance, Palpatine. Uh, is directing it from behind the scenes um, in Anakin and Ahsoka. You see them make big choices, not just follow the playbook. And their you know choices really have like direct and swift consequences on what happens. It's not just foreshadowing for Anakin later. They, you know, it's not happening by chance. It's their direct actions. Uh, and even this bit of philosophy that Anakin shares with Ahsoka, doing what the Jedi Council says, that's one thing. How we go about doing it, that's another. <laughs> so that's like, yeah, I will get to where they want me to go, but I'm going to do it my way. To me, just really had some rhythm with this. Nothing happens by chance. It's not going to work out that way. It's not the flow of the force. It's that I'm going to do things. I'm going to make the choice to do things a certain way. It's not happening by chance. It's happening the way I want it to happen. Let me ask you, this is, this is great stuff. Um, I, I think the do or do not is this really, it keeps popping back up. And I think it was our pal Alden Diaz who asked us about it in a, in a force center question and how that can change and grow hearing Plo Koon say that it's, it's a very Han Solo-esque type of thing, right? Don't tell me the odds. I don't believe in chance. You could, you could take it that way. Um, 
But for him to say that, a Jedi, an esteemed Jedi, a trained and uh, a Jedi master with a lot of experiences, uh, to me it ties into that spirit of do or do not, there is no try. There's no chance either it's going to work or it's not, but you've got to have the conviction in your belief to do it, and, and, and then what will happen will happen. Uh, deeper philosophical discussions around this here for this little uh, pew, pew, pew cartoon that we got going <laughs> on here, right? But I, I hear you describing it. I, I love that you highlighted that. Uh, it's really interesting to me that that a Jedi would be like, I, I don't believe in chance because they, they they wouldn't, right? But we know that there's choice, but it goes it just to, goes to, to Yoda again to me. There's no, that X-Wing's not going to get out of there by chance. <laughs> it's going to get out or it's not going to get out, but it's going to yeah. get out by your effort. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, lots of great stuff. Master and Apprentice the novel, I think, really wrestles with it well about the, the balance of this philosophy of like, well, we're supposed to follow the will of the force and wait for the time is right. And uh, but just this idea of that, you know, not being able to control everything, but the moments that you can control embracing them and that his that line is in response to one of the clones asking you to think there's a chance uh, uh, survival. And he's like, no, no, we're deciding that we're going to survive, <laughs> you know, and we're going to do everything that we possibly can to uh, survive. Uh, but then it, it just looking at it through the, that lens made it interesting to watch like these events that uh, the Jedi are, are heroes maybe don't fully understand. They're not happening by chance. Uh, Palpatine is involved in them. Anakin is not just following orders. He is following his own instincts in, in, you know, there's a little bit of like, Oh, I'll let go and see, you know, like the force will direct me so that this will end up the way I'm doing things will end up working out. And it often does. Uh, but there is a little bit more of like, yeah, I'm, I'm grabbing the reins and directing how this goes. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so we always talk about not only the themes of the actual episode or arc, but how they tie into sort of larger storytelling and morality or perspective of Star Wars. We already touched on some of that. Uh, I think a lot of Clone Wars and obviously, you know, any discussion of is compassion a weakness or a strength that gets into large themes of uh, attachment uh, and fear. When it When is attachment a strength? When is attachment a weakness? So I feel like we, we talked about that. But what other sort of big Star Wars ideas uh, do you see these themes being a part of? Destroy the big weapon. <laughs> must yeah. destroy weapon uh sorry that's not where you wanted me to go i know no it's it's um, honest it's good uh yeah no it, it it is it is uh it is a little bit of that too um i don't know I, I lost my own track hit me hit me with your thoughts well my my thought actually dovetails with your thought of destroy the big thing because yeah they they have to eventually and all of this really is about when are they you know, trying to just get information about the malevolence? When are they just trying to uh, wound the malevolence? When are they trying to stop the malevolence from escaping? Uh, and when are they destroying it? Uh, I really felt like the uh, Star Wars philosophy that has been there a long time, but I think was really well coined by Rose Tico's line in The Last Jedi, not fighting what we hate, saving what we love. In the way that everything ended up playing out, um, so there's a lot of stuff, great Plo Koon lines, uh, great action, with him being trapped and having conviction that uh, he he and the clones could work and fight to survive. Uh, but what actually ends up happening is only Ahsoka can rescue Plo Koon because they have a connection. Um, right. And 
it kind of ties with Anakin's, you know, doing. Uh, it's one thing to do what the Jedi Council says, but how we go about doing it, that's another. They are bending the rules. They were told not to go look for the survivors, you know, to, to look to the greater good. Uh, they go out there, even Palpatine is in on it, trying to turn them around. And the only reason that they find and save Plo Koon is because of this, you know, what you could say, saving what we love, this, you know, bond between Ahsoka and Plo Koon. And because of that, they actually do accomplish the mission, which in this episode is get information about the malevolent so we know what we're dealing with. And if there wasn't that saving what we love between uh, Ahsoka and Plo Koon, they wouldn't have been able to get to the um, destroying the malevolence, what we hate, which they have to do. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a that's I love that. You won me over. Was this a contest? You won. Uh, no, that's great. No, that's great. And and, and I love going to the, the Plo Koon stuff we're going to talk about. But yeah, Ahsoka have that connection and the belief. And that she's the only one in that moment that has it, right? Anakin's like, well, yeah, he was a friend of mine too. We got to go. <laughs> yeah. We had a yeah, good time. She... We went down to the Dex's diner. We had a milkshake one time. Good times now. Um, I don't know why I'm obsessed. I'm hungry. I'm obsessed with milkshakes. So. Uh, yeah. So yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And, and then that theme kind of continues with, you know, Anakin has a super aggressive plan to he's really rigid about, no, we have to destroy the malevolence. We're going to bomb the bridge. We're going to take out Grievous. Uh, and Ahsoka urges him to come up with another plan. Plo Koon then directly suggests, well, why don't you not destroy the ship but disable the weapon, which is, you know, literally saving what we love. That allows him to save the medical outpost, which is the goal, instead of obsessively destroying Grievous, the thing they hate, you know? Uh, so that's right. pretty literal plot-wise. And then uh, the actual final destruction of uh, the Malevolence in <laughs> destroying Malevolence uh, ends up happening because Anakin goes to rescue Padme, right? They're, they they can fire on it all day, and it's too big. It's eventually going to get away um, unless Luminara can get over there with all of her ships, maybe. Uh, and what ends up allowing them to actually finally destroy the weapon is this different point of view that came from Anakin uh, in team actually being on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Love so, it. Yeah. Lots of victories coming from uh, saving what they love, not fighting what they hate. Um, the other thing for me is, and I think this is going to come up almost every Clone Wars arc because it just does this theme of everyone matters. You know, we get yeah. the, that, uh, that you talked about the clones are not expendable. Uh, Plo Koon literally saying, I value your life more than finding that weapon. Uh, and then just the how how huge the stakes are of it's easy to just watch this fast and go like yeah the bad guys are doing a bad thing but like mm -hmm. the republic has a medical outpost to care for wounded clones they are so not treating them as expendable there are 60,000 injured clones there and then that that that's a real e vote for everyone matters and then that the the separatists and the sith see that as a weakness and are willing to slaughter wounded soldiers that's one of those moments for me rewatching the clone wars like sometimes it's easy to get into like well yeah the jedi made mistakes and who's right who's wrong or you know yep the some of the separatists are just do have legitimate political disagreements but this is what the actual leadership is doing they are slaughtering sixty thousand wounded soldiers that's that, that there's no there's from from my moral compass there's no way to say uh, the Jedi and the Sith are kind of the same. No, yeah. one is trying to save thousands of wounded people. The other is like, blow them up as a tactic. Kill them all. 
wipe them out, all of them. Uh, no, it, this really is in line with uh, the Justice for the Jedi movement. Uh, <laughs> the president of the club there and also a member. Uh, no, no, it's so true because I do love the uh, Revenge of the Sith Crawl, heroes on both sides. You and I have talked about what that means and, and Mina Bonteri always comes to mind and, and her little, uh, uh, but, little but important uh, appearance in the Clone Wars uh, that stuff is is true, and I'm even I'm always even fascinated with Newt Gunray. Not a fan of his, him or his actions, but that Sidious promised us peace line of like how much do they buy into that lie for themselves? I, wonderful discussions. But to <laughs> Palpatine Dooku by proxy Grievous, who's also done a lot of things on his own power and, and, and choosing here. Um, yeah, that that no that that's that's the that's the dividing line. Yeah, that, yeah, that is the. The uh, for some reason I always go to Bodhi Rook too of just like yeah I got a, I got a cool job driving uh, transports to the Empire. Oh wow, this isn't good. Um, These I, are real bad people. Yeah, I have a chance to make this right is what Galen Erso tells them, and I think that kind kind of comes down to this type of thing. Uh, and yes, I know the rebellion blew up Death Star. Let's have those wonderful nuanced conversations. But I think you have to go to the core, and 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 I I, I think uh, very glad you brought that up. Uh, that is what's at the core here. Yeah, yeah, just it really jumped out to me, um, partially because I think it's meant to because it's a literal discussion between Dooku and Grievous of like the fact that they care about these troops who should be expendable is a weakness. In fact, let's go slaughter a bunch of wounded clones. Yep, That is the action of not good people. I'm taking that firm stance. The Sith are bad. Here is one of the many, many examples. Good old, good old hot take scrimshaw coming in with his thoughts about a not attacking 60,000 people in need of medical help. The evil wizards are evil. That's what I think. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive into all of the fun details. There's a ton of fun details in this great malevolence arc. We will be right back. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. to talk the details of malevolence that was the cut fourth episode of the arc details of the malevolence and if they had got that fourth episode details of malevolence then they could have made it a movie that's right they just needed the one more episode they just needed zero to also be on the malevolence uh instead of in prison anyway we'll get back to zero oh boy will we get back to zero uh but let's talk about the malevolence arc did you have some favorite action moments ken I mean, sir, you know I'm going to answer Y-Wings. You know I'm going to say, look at them Y-Wings flying in. I've loved this ship, but obsessed with it. I've been obsessed with, too, uh, uh, the great quote, and and full credit to uh, Kristen Baver and the StarWars.com team. Years, uh, uh, 2018, they did like a 10-year 
kind of uh, anniversary rewatch of some great notes. Look it up. Uh, I I do uh, almost every episode that we talk about. And uh, Joe Johnston, back in the day, uh, uh, Star Wars and Empire, always said uh, the Y-Wings seem to be part of bigger ships or something that they're broken apart. They're just kind of skeletal. I'm paraphrasing. but And so to see, I love seeing uh, the Y-Wings in their full glory, uh, all the body parts of the ship still there, and uh, I just love them there. So I'll start with that uh, simply there. Um, but uh, I'll say this. Uh, I, one of my favorite moments, and it's a great little shot, is when Plo Koon is like, I'm going out there. I can I can take it a little bit. Put your helmets on. We're gonna go, we're gonna go fight. Yeah. And the droids, we're gonna talk about the droids in that moment, in that sequence, I'm sure. But when they're like, Oh no, a Jedi, and there's just a great majestic hero shot. And he doesn't have a saber ignited, but then he ignites it. And Jedi's knowledge, defense, yes, we all those things, but it is one of those moments of uh oh, we've gone down pissed off the Jedi, and it's I love it. It's one of my favorite little moments. A lot of great fighting, a lot of ships again t- going back to 2008. It wasn't just oh they're doing pew pew pew. We, we talk about that a lot about that can pull you in, but again cinematic just looks great. And you hear Filoni especially now talk about George always taught us cartoons animation still doesn't matter. Frame it and set it up and block it like a movie. And that is really apparent in a lot of the action sequences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This one has some great stuff, and I went to similar areas. Uh, the whole Plo Koon scene, that so creepy that you're kind of you're floating out there, left for dead, and then there are hunters coming to finish you off, and mm. yeah, and and the clones worrying about it, and yeah, I love when Plo Koon goes out there. Love the lightsaber shot you're talking about, but I like it in particular when he uses the force to throw sinker at them, the clone yeah. sinker uh, throws uh sinker uh, at the battle droids with the force uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, we've talked about it again. I'm going to talk about it uh, a lot. I-, I love the details in the clone wars. There's lots of times where the Jedi are just like, we're in front of everybody and we're blocking shots with their lightsaber and when mm-hmm. and how they actually use the force. What are their limits? What are their creativity uh, with it? And it, mm. it's just a cool thing of like we're in zero grav, so it's probably, you know, even easier to give a, uh, just a, a little force push. And, you know, the that then you're moving that direction. That's where you're going to go in space because it even does yeah. stop him. Right. And turn him around. Yep. Uh, because otherwise he'd just be like, bye, sinker. <laughs> Float off into space. Uh, it's a cool force move in a cool scene, but it also kind of reinforces Plo Koon where it's like, no, uh, we're going to choose to survive. We're in this together. And there they are working together. He's not just like, I'm a Jedi. I'll go uh, take care of it. Like they're out there with him helping and being damn cool doing it. Uh, speaking of cool force moves, uh, I also love Obi-Wan uh, using the force to uh, turn the uh, death balls, the droidicas, the destroyer mm-hmm. droids into large bowling balls. <laughs> Yeah, okay, and Rollies, right? At one point, Rollies, yeah. Rollies. I, I used that on a stream the other night, and I couldn't stop giggling to myself. Yeah, that is one of those moments that probably in 2008, I went, well, I guess I won't watch this show every week. Um, to now, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just fun. Yeah, and all of the action in these early episodes are uh, accompanied with droid commentary, and I believe but droid says, well, that's impressive. <laughs> But I just it's again, it's it's cool seeing him use the force, but it's also it's like it's resourceful of like, oh, well, the way you have these droids lined up, actually, I can just do this one force push and they're on the rails. Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, Yeah. And then I I agree with you about the Y-Wings. 
but the part that in particular I talk about cinematic just looked absolutely uh, beautiful uh, when they're doing the Balmora run. Balmora run, says Blue. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, you know, it's cool that it's a smuggler's route through a nebula that Anakin heard pilots talk about on Tatooine, the relationship to that, to all the other smuggling runs we're going to see, and that uh, the Anakin doesn't know that it's the nesting ground of the giant Nipre Mantas. Uh, <laughs> the action of the Y-Wings trying to avoid those Nibre mantas, uh, that weird, beautiful, colorful nebula, these giant uh, creatures, and then the cool Y-wings trying to zip around them, their tails and their teeth and their wings. Like, that's one of those moments of just, like, I see, you know, again, I know he's not the only one who made it, but Lucas is a kid dreaming of seeing stuff like this on screen, mm-hmm. and that's why he's doling out his own cash to see stuff like this <laughs> That's exist right. on the screen right uh and and i'm happy he did because it's just such a just beautiful weird sci-fi fantasy action shots yeah i like that sequence uh, and it's definitely a star wars thing uh going going into things in space where creatures are in the middle of uh it's definitely a thing and, and not always my favorite thing uh but i i do like it here uh and it's interesting it's an interesting sequence because there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of will we get out of it and then they get out of it and i'm not saying the sequence doesn't have any value or any of that stuff i'm just saying like it is a great little like tension oh we're good (laughs) yeah i like it It, yeah yeah there is this it, it does it can possibly read as a weird action beat but i think it works so well of this question of like okay anakin's being reckless again uh on this plan and oh he almost really screwed up he did not have all the facts about belmore run but oh okay it worked out mm-hmm. oh no the next thing he do he's doing it's not working out you know it has this great roller coaster feel yeah, yeah. uh any other action moments that you wanted to touch on uh, there, look, there's a lot of Grievous Obi-Wan having a lightsaber fight is generally really good. Uh, you mentioned in the Rollies, but, uh, you know, I have some thoughts, not even questions, just some thoughts about them fighting. Um, I do like, I like a lot of the stuff going on inside the malevolence in, in episode three. Uh, so just, but again, overall, overall for me in 2008 to go, oh, okay, I get it. There's, this is, this is bigger in scope than I thought. A lot of it does come from the action. So I, I overall just really love the action. Yeah, yeah, and uh, to segue us from action moments to comedy moments, there's that great moment where the one battle droid is like, fire, and like, no! (laughs) And then Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan knock the blast right back into those two droids of just like, oh, there's no point. It's uh, definitely some droid comedy. (laughs) Uh, So let's get into that. Our favorite moments of comedy, whimsy, weirdness. Uh, Talk to me about your droid feelings and all other comedy feelings. Yeah, let's okay. Yeah, I, I have a I have a few, but I, I, I let's not bury the lead here. You and I have talked about this. Uh, just uh, going back to the Phantom Menace and the first Roger Roger and the Roger Roger of it all. It's something that didn't sit well with me in in the theater in '99. Took me some time, but yet I've grown to love it. You and I always have these sympathy for the droids being being launched off cliffs, cliffs yelling, <laughs> "Why, why me? I just got promoted." <laughs> I, I don't know what it's, it's shifted because I still, because some of it doesn't, not all of it works for me uh, overall, but I still, I just, I don't know. There's this subplot that's been just going on and, and the background droids, the one we talked about uh, looking at Grievous on Utapau and going, look at, he's got a lightsaber. All those stuff. I've just grown to love it. I just, it just hits a weird intersection that I said, I don't know what to do with the battle droids gleefully killing clones in space. 
Right. Because I laugh at it, but it's also one of the more gruesome death sequences in Star Wars where you see it, feel it, and hear it. Mm-hmm. Out into space and the dying in space. And not that I'm ever going to be in space, but that's always been a weird, like, like the airlock sequences in the, in the, in the, in the Battlestar Galactica reboot are like terrifying for me. I'm like, ah. um, I think hitchhiker's guide, to the galaxy, no in, infinite uh, probability drive ships going to rescue me. You know, I have <laughs> weird fear, but not that I'm ever going to be in space. So it, 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 that's the scene, man. But I, but I, but I'm, I'm like, love the battle droid. Just kind of doop, 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 just the day I work in the hunter ship. <laughs> it's so, I don't know what to do with it emotionally, Joseph. I understand this, this one really, uh, this arc, and I think it will continue to early on the battle droids continue to be big sources of comedy and there are moments where they're just like physical comedy, like, uh, kind of very broad, like when, they're, when they're just kind of firefighters from earth and they have the same, you know, colors as firefighters from America. Uh, and it's just like, though the hose is too powerful. And then they're just like, that's a, that is, you know, absolutely just Buster Keaton stuff. That's yes, just yes, yes. wacky physical comedy. And then there's this stuff that is like uh, coming from a little bit more of an emotional place. Like uh, when uh, I think it's the end of the second episode when Grievous has failed and the droids nervously look to Dooku's hologram like, OK, that's emotional. Then that's coming from mm-hmm. a perspective. Yeah. And then the the hunter droids are terrifying. The, the whole episode hinges on Ahsoka and Anakin's compassion and conviction that that the clones and any other survivors should not be left to this horrific fate. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they kind of look scary, the hunter droids with their uh, Mm -hmm. jetpacks. And then you're right, they just, they cut open that one pod. You hear and see and feel clones being sucked out into the vacuum. And I believe the one just says, there they go. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, and it's and it makes me laugh while I'm crying. I don't know why, Joseph. Yeah, no, because it's a good. It's just dare I say, great shot of a clone in the distance. Uh, there they go. Just another successful day at the work. And because it's a Star Wars horror film, when Plo Koon says we are not alone, it's like oh no. And the hunter pod looks as those claws. It's almost like a crab in space coming to get you or a squid in the ocean that's going to come you know and, and it, it's it's scary and then cut to which might make it more scary because they just don't care they're droids doing their droid killing job yeah and i think they don't oh, comprehend God. it i think there's that to be found for it it yeah it does it has just bizarre layers of uh of how do you like? Is this a you know auteur? Is this Werner Herzog? You know, <laughs> is this just a different way to look at being callous about death? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's hard yeah. to unpack, but strangely mm-hmm. enjoyable because it's almost impossible to unpack. Whether what yeah. we're supposed to feel in that moment, you might be right. I can only choose one emotion, and I'll choose giddy left because <laughs> the other option is is worse. Right to it's, just it's to just feel terrible. Yeah, I can either imagine what it's like to be mercilessly shoved out into the vacuum of space, or I can go <laughs> battle droids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right, so what else uh, besides that do you have for comedy uh, moments? I'll, I'll run through. I'm gonna run through. Um, uh, so that's just. I love at the end, at the end of episode three, uh, when the the mission or the, the the ship's destroyed, and there's a round of applause from everyone, including that like the, the folks down in the data pit. Yeah, I I, I want to see more victory applause in Star Wars. We we see a few celebrations, indeed. Don't get me wrong, but just this like 
clapping for like, what a job. Wow. Anakin was great. Like I, I something about it. I just, it, it, it's whimsical. And I love that. Yeah, that really is like, it's got this office party vibe of like, you know, yeah. did, did you break the absolute record for earnings in a quarter? Did you fly a terrifying weapon into a moon? Round of applause, dude. Yeah, who won the steak knives in that one? There? That was great. Um, I like that. Uh, we can probably talk uh, a little bit more here in a bit, but uh, I, I lo- love the Plo Koon stuff. And, and there's that when they first um, uh, when, when they first meet, and, so, and he says, uh, I wrote it down kind of phonetically, but Katuya, little Soka. I just think that's great. And when she hugs him later on, it's one of the rare kind of uh, like open, like Jedi or stoic, right? Generally we think them of that and to have Ahsoka just kind of like give him a hug because he's, he's not dead. And she, she felt him and she saved him and he's slumped down because he's trying to breathe even with his mask on and his ability to survive space a little bit. I just love that moment. So I just love the, I love their connection and their story. Yeah. You're right. That yeah, that's a that's a, a not necessary a moment of of comedy, but a, like of of the light side of the force yeah. of just it's uh, sort of whimsical and wonderful. And I do I meant to specifically bring this up when we were talking about uh, Ahsoka and Plo Koon's bond. I love the way what she says about him is a phrase that he found me and brought me to the temple where I belonged. So I thought I could find him. So just the the returning the favor, the the reciprocity, but also like there's so much discussion about uh, is it cool for the Jedi to go around the galaxy basically asking parents like, can we take your kid? Mm-hmm. Um, so to hear from somebody like Ahsoka, who at this point in her life of like, I'm so grateful that he found me and I'm where I belong because, man, if I hadn't been brought to the temple as a kid, I'd be so confused about my powers and who I am. But he brought me to where I belonged is a great line. Yeah, I definitely paraphrase it, but but she comes down to contradiction and says, I was lost, now he's lost, and I'm going to find it. Like, it, it, it's a really, it's a beautiful little arc there. Uh, the final one for me. I want everyone to hear me out here, okay? This moment landed a little weird, for, a little weirder for me in 2020 than it maybe it did in 2008. So follow me to the end of the thought here. <laughs> I actually like a little bit of Anakin and Padme having a moment of domestic bliss. It is a little weird that he's like, you go clean up, all right? So I don't want to suggest <laughs> that Padme... Or uh, any any wife at a at a at a, at a husband wife situation is the one who does the cleaning. Okay, I, I want everyone please please don't follow. That's not the path I'm on. What I do like is there is a little bit in this sequence, you know, because she's like, "Oh, cleaning's done. Did you get your your stuff done?" In in this war, and it, it, you know, he's a Jedi, a senator, uh, love that is forbidden, and they make this choice, and they don't have they're in the, they don't have a normal life. It's almost in that little sequence, he's not a Jedi. She's not a senator. They aren't at war. They're just on a Sunday afternoon. And he's like, oh, I'll fix that faucet. And she's like, oh, cool. I'm going to tidy up the, the living room. And I just, so I liked that. I liked that moment. Uh, again, not suggesting Padme got to clean up the kitchen. Definitely not. And, and, and I had a little moment of like, oh, okay. Watching it now this weekend. But I just like it. I just think it's a little bit, a slice of domestic bliss for these two who probably really didn't get that opportunity. Oh, yeah. No, I I totally agree both about uh, the concern about looking at it the right way, because even the episode kind of plays it as a joke where he's like, you clean up the droids. And she's like, "Mm." Uh, but but I totally take your larger point. Uh, I think there's definitely this vibe of they are early in their relationship. And there's a lot of things that are kind of great about that, Mm -hmm. that this is uh, obviously neither of them wants it to be secret, but there is some there's a real spark going on in their relationship uh, early on here. There's, there's real love and excitement. <laughs> yeah. And like this, this is, if this is the only quality time we're going to get, we're going to make sure it's quality. Yeah. 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 
great insight. Um, for me, there's a bunch of really great uh, comedy moments. Uh, I love the railjet, just as you said, just as itself that um, it reminds you of the scale of that weapon and the scale of many weapons uh, in Star Wars that it has. Of course, it has a railjet, a ship so big that it has its own mass transit system inside. Uh, So that by itself is really cool. But I totally forgot that this was in the episode and I literally uh, laughed out loud Actually, sincerely, LOL, not the mean sarcastic thing it has become on the Internet, but actual LOL uh, <laughs> at at the uh, the announcer, the platform announcer of Railjet Departing, that peaceful oh, voice uh, when grievous, gruff, <laughs> coughing murder grievous gets on it. And then when he gets off, welcome to Railjet Substation 94. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. And this is one of those things like, yeah, that's that is, you know, having uh, been on it, that's literally mm-hmm. what the voice on the uh, London Underground still says, uh, at least did back in the day when I was there. Um, so sometimes they just let's pull directly from the real world doesn't work for me. And but this did perfectly like who was involved in this ship We're like ah, transit system with no rails. That's not safe. You got to have a you got to have an announcer. <laughs> If only that uh, voice had been present in, in uh, stuff for the Empire later on. <laughs> yeah. There are no rails. There are no rails on the walkway. Mind the hole. Mind the <laughs> massive hole. <laughs> love it. No, I, lo- I absolutely love it. I love everything you say about it. It was a great moment, comedy-wise, but also just, uh, you know, functionality of the ship. Just like, oh, yeah, that just adds to how big that ship is. And, and I do love that. And I was like, I, 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 you know, one of those, like, I don't, we'll never get the answer, but I'm like, all right, we, we, we've taken, we have a lot of stuff about building of the Death Star. Are we ever going to learn when they started building this behemoth? <laughs> right. Yeah. And like the amount of uh, technological terror that the separatists have up their sleeves. We're going to get to see all of it. Um, yeah. Almost all my favorite kind of moments of comedy and whimsy there. There's, as you pointed out, some great heartwarming moments, some great, uh, insightful moments, uh, but I really liked a lot of the comedy that happens, comedy and action that happens in this railjet sequence. I like this moment where uh, Obi-Wan goes running into this railjet area, area and he does this huge, majestic uh, force leap. And then uh, Grievous, with his uh, powered, armored legs, does a huge leap. And then a bunch of battle droids try to leap. <laughs> just don't clear it at all. Uh, one of them, two of them, or three of them just totally fall to death. One of them lands on the rail and gets just smashed by the train. Yeah. It's just great uh, visual comedy and great continuing horror for the battle droids that they're just mindlessly following their leader, trying to make a jump that they absolutely cannot make. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. More screaming. More screaming. More screaming for those um, droids. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about the 3PO comedy, right? Because I think uh, there's something about these early episodes that sometimes uh, other fans that I've tried to talk into watching the Clone Wars who are maybe not huge fans of the prequels, you know, all say like, Yep, there's a, if you don't if you struggle with the prequel movies, there is some of the broader prequel hum, humor early on, and this was one of those like, hey, uh, did you enjoy the three PO uh, getting his head cut off and all that uh, in the factory? Well, here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I admit for myself, uh, Obi Wan lifting three PO and then three PO just getting slammed into by the train did just actually make me laugh. <laughs> the rest of it with three PO, you know, kind of you know, having wacky adventures, but I wasn't sure about, but that initial moment and then him, him calling Anakin saying, I lost your droid. Uh, 
I'll take that moment. Yeah, this is definitely uh, in a disliked or questioned. Uh, <laughs> not, not that okay. moment. I give you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you want to transition to that. If you have anything else in whimsy you want to celebrate, uh, no, no, let's let's put a pin in it. Now that I know it's one of your dislikes, we'll put a pin in uh, the three PO's wacky train adventures. But I do like this lamb. Uh, my final comedy thing is a real little one. It's I think in the first episode uh, that uh, Dooku and Grievous both say something kind of evil, and I believe Grievous chuckles, and then one of the battle droids kind of tries to do an evil laugh. Yes, yes. It's like again, like uh, the stuff that seems to be coming from like the battle droids striving towards some kind of humanity and understanding uh trying to fit in uh, that stuff works for me um we'll get to the things we disliked in question in a moment but first i want to talk about any sort of larger uh connections to canon or lore in star wars that uh, popped out in this arc for you yeah, uh, I also I'll, I'll return to Ahsoka and Plo and just the, the big themes you talked about, but just connecting her, you know, that the answer we got of who discovered her and how she'd become a Jedi Order. That's just this straight up canon lore thing that we get. And and it works for me. I think we see it. As, yeah, we see it at one other point in the Clone Wars, right? There's like a flashback or something, right? Uh, we see like a little. Young, yeah, later on, there's gonna be a yeah, flashback. Little young Soka about it so but i love that anakin's learning it too by the way that this is the moment he's learning it. like you would have thought by now and this is a criticism but you would have thought by now would have been like right, how did she uh, let me see your fire file <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's anakin he's not gonna i don't need no file i'm just gonna train you from the seat of my pants and from all of my heart so i like that there there's something i don't it doesn't go for like just big giant connection to me but there i forgot and, until watching it this time around that at the end of it, Grievous just kind of shuts off his communication with Dooku. Mm-hmm. And it is this a little insight into their relationship. And at this point in time, the Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith novel was uh, in play with some of that stuff that might be canon and not canon. I'm not, I'm not, it's, it's less the novelizations. What I'm thinking of the other ones, out, the, the, the Labyrinth of Evil or whatever, where it's oh, just. Right, kinda, yeah. The stuff that I actually really do love of 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 in on beneath Petronaki arenas where uh, um, Grievous was unveiled and it was a horror thing and and kind of it was part of a trap and maybe you know a lot of that there's un- unclear. I'd still love some official. Here's how Grievous came to be in canon now, but I just like that there's a little bit of like Grievous might have you know he's chosen this path. He he wanted to get to augment his powers and is there any regret? Is there any 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 kind of like wow I got all the powers in the world and I still got a boss I hate is there, it just to me, it's all of that. I, I don't mean to make total light of it. I just, I thought it was an interesting moment that it, and then Duke just kind of has that like, and, 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 and he's got some issues with it and, and, and Grievous, the relationship between Grievous and Duku. And on the flip side, you got Anakin and Ahsoka who are going to, at the end of it, they're going to go get quote in trouble. Right. But it's a different atmosphere. It's a different approach. And it's light and dark at play with how the two sides operate. And I, I, I liked that a lot. No, I, I think it's absolutely great that you highlighted those two interactions and the connection between the two. Mm-hmm. I love that interaction between uh, Ahsoka and Anakin that you're talking about, because not only do we learn about the relationship between Plo Koon and Ahsoka that's hinted at by their special greeting of, of him greeting her in, in the Keldor language, um, but then we get that you can just see the engagement from Anakin of like, oh, she is has this level of compassion that I do. 
that I don't see all Jedi having that sometimes we're kind of told to back away from and that the be- real beginning of their bond of, you know, these episodes where they uh, are can both be a little bit reckless and that she has that same kind of compassion. And, yep, they're both going to make mistakes, but they're both going to learn and grow from them together. And then on the flip side, uh, Grievous, you uh, you have to have absolute domination. You have to win or you're going to be ambiguously punished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's that threat of like, Grievous keeps failing every every episode. He's pretty like, okay, well, that bad thing happened, but the next bad thing, that bad thing happened. Okay, that three bad things happened in a row. I failed three times in a row, and you are going to be extremely unhappy with me. I'm turning off the communicator. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A, a mentorship, a a student teacher relationship that is all uh, hate and anger and punishment. And I believe we're going to follow up on in the Clone Wars show. <laughs> That might, that might rear its head again. Yeah. I, I think it's going to rear its head again. So, yeah, that's that's great. Um, one of the sort of canon lore connections that I wanted to focus on is Palpatine, because mm. in our whole rewatch, I'm really interested in watching for the uh, the whys and the hows and the big uh, Clone Wars era political story of what's going on. Um, and I was it was so much fun and horror to remember how actively Palpatine is involved. And we get the just sort of direction to pay attention from that to that from Yoda saying in this war a step ahead of us Dooku always seems so you know there's that uh suspicion and doubt and concern that the uh that Dooku kind of planted in attack the clones by telling them about by telling Obi-Wan about Sidious and like okay what's we don't really know what's going on but we don't want to give in to paranoia and fear uh so you get that on the Jedi side and then just that twice Palpatine actively messes with the plot that he uh, mm. pops in and convinces Anakin, tells Anakin the Jedi Council are really upset with him and Ahsoka. And just like, mm. it's you know so great of you to want to save the survivors, but you probably should turn around. <laughs> just like actively like getting, you imagine like Palpatine's doing, you know, his actual government business and he gets some secret call from Dooku and he's like, okay, all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell Anakin to turn around. And then the second one, that he has given secret coordinates to Padme and tells her that the banking clan might be willing to separate themselves from the separatists and you might be able to negotiate a treaty. Uh, so Padme goes to these secret coordinates and it's all a trap to uh, help mm-hmm. this you know big piece of technology uh, escape. And the fact that he does it to Padme in this way where, well, Padme is just going to assume that it's the banking clan was lying because they're liars, right? right. Uh, and there was a trap that obviously the banking clan has every motivation to uh, get her into. The banking clan probably, you know, helped pay for that ship. Yeah. Um, so she's not going to suspect Palpatine. And it, it raises these fun questions of, is Palpatine, you know, how much is he knowingly straining that relationship between Anakin because like hey you know what if mm-hmm. if Padme died now maybe that just accelerates everything for him because Anakin is going to lose it if Padme dies it, it, oh man yeah so glad you brought it up because because the, the the what I kind of describe as the cold war between Padme and Palpatine yeah going back to the Phantom Menace and it's 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 a great thing to kind of track and follow uh we love it we talk about it a lot here but I, I love the last big point you made there of of Yep. Hey, maybe Padme dies. Cool. Great. And Palpatine, I always feel, can adjust on the fly, on, on uh, even even with his well thought out plans. But just right there, laying those seeds. It's just clear. It's just clear as day. Laying those seeds. Anakin, 
you're not going to want to let her go, right? Yeah, go save her. Go against, even if it works out, I don't care. You're already at odds with the Jedi Order and your Jedi Masters. Oh, just, I, I, I we'd cheering for him if he wasn't evil, Joseph. <laughs> yeah, your compassion is going to curdle into fear of losing her. Yeah. And every time she's in danger, that only helps me. Uh, yeah, so it, it just remembering that Palpatine is actively involved in uh, making things more horrible for everyone at all times. Yeah. Uh, again, evil wizard is actually evil, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, just for like a couple little fun things, I I liked that the uh, the big malevolent weapon gearing up to fire and the battle droids then kind of uh, uh, throwing their arms uh, up uh, away from the uh, the blast oh. is that you know that same gesture as the Death Star text. That's great. Um, I love seeing that double wide gonk droid walk by, which is called a plunk droid. Mm-hmm. I did not know. Uh, just aesthetically great. Um, it, that a thing that I wanted to pay attention to on this whole uh, watch through is how this is handled. That you know, it's a big deal in Revenge of the Sith that it it appears that physically Anakin and Grievous Grievous have not seen each other before. Mm-hmm. And I like that the second episode in this arc is basically Anakin versus Grievous, but there's they they do not see each other. Yeah, no, and 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 um, Grievous and Obi Wan meeting up, and and I, I made sure I was like, I, I'm sure they wouldn't mess up, but I made sure like Grievous does not unveil the forearms. You know, it's Ooh. at no point does he go, all right, click, 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 because you kind of need a little bit of that surprise. You know, there's some Grievous moments, right? Doesn't he have the uh, "You fool, I'm, I'm trained in the the Jedi arts" in Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, you just have to interpret that as Dooku or as Grievous saying something that Obi Wan absolutely knows. Of like, okay. Right. Yeah, I know, I know, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, great, yeah, great way to look at it. And Grievance isn't the best with one-liners. You know, he's just one of those like, all right, whatever. Uh, he thinks he's funny, but he's not. But yeah, so I, I did, I did uh, on one of my watch-throughs this week, and just be like, all right, yep, all right, confirming probably what I, I knew was there. They don't reveal that. They take care of that. That's the stuff they do. You know, it's like Wedge not being in the attack on Scarif uh, in Rogue One. He's off-duty. He's actually the the voice you hear in 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 on Yappin Four. Uh, the original uh, guy who voiced it in New Hope and uh, Dennis Lawson just w- was there on screen. So many, so many different wedge tales from New I Hope. I know. But, but though, to, to care, they care that much. I love that kind of stuff. And for to have that little detail, yes, Grievous and Obi-Wan are meeting here. There's a little reversal of the hello there. But that little detail of the arms not separating, I love. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, the weapon being an ion cannon, you know, that's obviously an important uh, weapon in Star Wars and an an important uh, strategic one. So it was really cool to see it uh, really in in many ways being the mystery and being the thing that uh, defines this episode. Uh, So let's go on to anything that we disliked or questioned. Let's talk about C-3PO's adventures on the railjet. (laughs) (laughs) Taking a big swig of water. Look, I, I love 3PO. I, I love 3PO comedy, Rise of Skywalker. I Sometimes there's moments I just put it on to watch 3PO uh, just have just some great moments being funny. And, and it's comedy of character, and there's a lot of great 3PO character moments. Uh, the 3PO on the red arm of, you probably don't recognize me because of my red arm. It's hilarious. <laughs> you and I are not just... Um, uh, you know, writers of comedy, performers of comedy. Joseph, you and I have studied comedy and and what makes laugh and and uh, make what what makes laugh. There you go. That's the scientific. <laughs> what makes what laugh? Make laugh? <laughs> we have PowerPoint. So not, but not to go on to that uh, comedy high horse, but just there's things that work and things that don't. This might work for people. You talk about the moment him getting hit. I'm there for that too. I can get it. I just 
the Attack of the Clones 3PO stuff ranks lower for me than Jar Jar humor. And it, when it Jar Jar's effective, like we talked about in some of the early Clone Wars reviews here, it works for me very well. But stepping in the Piosa, I'd rather watch Jar Jar step into the Piosa and the, and the doo-doo all day, seven days a week, than 3PO being knocked around in the droid factory. All right? <laughs> That's just the kind of thing. And so this was too reminiscent of that for me. 3PO's bad day out kind of vibe, uh, even with some of the fun moments. I don't need to dig it more, but just like uh, it just that stuff doesn't work for me. And, and going back to your, your talking up top of the all three episodes, Joseph, and saying, hey, I, I think these are good and I like them. Maybe they don't you don't love them as much. I think maybe I like some of this stuff. These episodes on a, two points higher than you. We're talking 98 percent to 96 percent. Doesn't matter. But uh, but this is where I go to. Yeah, you're right. The show is still trying to figure out what it was. And there's still. 3PO comedy moments to come that are Pratt Folly and there's still the droid humor is pre- present all the way through, but it was still, I agree with you. They're trying to figure it out. And this just stood out to me. That's yeah. all. So yeah. Wow. Ken hates Star Wars. <laughs> Breaking news. Uh, see, you do the news uh, music much better than I do. Um, yeah. I, I, and I think that's, what's interesting to me about it is obviously there are many things about this arc that we love because we've been going on and on about them. But in these early days, there is a lot of like, okay, this is the prequel era. Here's what we, it, the action and the comedy and Anakin is reckless and the, these kind of tones and callbacks to, uh, the original lines from the original trilogy. And the show really grows and grows to become its own thing while still being utterly supportive of everything we love in the prequel films. But it's interesting to watch these early seasons that are a little bit more like finding the tone of the animated series. Mm. And along those lines, that's the thing that I want to discuss just the sheer volume of um, line poetry uh, of, of, you know, a new line. And some of them I like, um, but there's a lot of like, oh, it's flipped on the head. It's you've got a battle droid saying, I've got a bad feeling about this, which is usually, uh, you know, the good guys say that. Um, I think in the flight toward the malevolence in the second episode when Anakin is determined to destroy it, um, I think there's some, you know, callbacks to the Death Star Trench run on purpose that this is a kind of inverted Death Star Trench run. What what if this, you know, destroying this big weapon shouldn't be your big priority. But we got the, you know, watch those towers, boys, you know, mm-hmm. which, you know, is not, you know, exactly the same as Luke, but incredibly evocative of it. Uh, a literal loosen up um, yep. in that uh, we get that uh, sassy comment from sassy Plo Koon of from a certain point of view that maybe it was Ahsoka's ideas to change the tactics from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. Um She's a direct line. Uh, Anakin says, uh, someone has to save her skin about Padme, which is, of mm-hmm. course, you know, uh, someone has to save our skins, a famous Leia line. Um, Plo Koon says about Anakin, there he goes again, craving adventure excitement, which, of course, is a direct uh, relationship to Yoda's line about Luke craving adventure and excitement. Um, there's a lot of banter between Anakin and Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan at one point says, uh, spinning is not flying, and Anakin says, but it's a good trick. <laughs> Try to call back to his own line in Phantom Menace. Uh, we have General Grievous saying hello there to Obi-Wan. Um, I think I noticed on the on, on Kristen Baver's great notes, there's some direct uh, Empire Strikes Back, Han and Chewie working on the Falcon uh, callback lines from the Plo Koon's clones uh, working on the escape pod. So, over over three episodes, it's a lot. Mm. Uh, and there's some that I like because I feel like they are, oh, that makes me, without those lines, I might not have made that sort of direct thematic comparison between sure. the malevolence, this giant 
technological terror in the Death Star. So like, oh, uh, I kind of like that. Um, I got a bad feeling about this. That's fine. Uh, but some of them take me out of it a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm torn. This is definitely like a question, not an actively, this is, uh, this is bad, I don't like it. Because like, I love the fact that Plo Koon has that observation about Anakin's character. And I like that the line makes me think about, you know, how much is this run in the Skywalker family mm. um, in that relationship to Luke? But literally phrasing it exactly the same as Yoda also kind of takes me out of it in the moment. And mm-hmm. I, it, it feels written. It feels like a writer quoting a movie rather than a character uh, reliving a, a, you know, two two moments in time reflecting one another, which obviously we like because we talk about Star Wars poetry constantly. So I kind of wrestle with it because there's a lot of them that I like that make me think about it in different ways. And then there are other moments in the particular volume of them in this arc that just make me hear it as writing rather than stuff characters are saying. I, I think you're right. I think it's the volume more than anything taken on an individual basis, maybe stretched out. You're not as you're just not as hit with it as much. Right. It's like, boom, 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 boom. Because there's some I love. I love the, you know, yeah, Anakin, I used to, to take uh, build droids. Now I destroy them, like, or whatever the line is, you know. <laughs> it, and it's so, and it's good. And you're like, yeah, okay, cool, that's right. But yeah, I think it's 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 what sometimes people might feel about this nostalgia being baked into Star Wars, which can sometimes be great and we can celebrate it. Poetry jokes aside, or the actual use of Star Wars poetry aside, that's what I think. I, I I feel some of it with you too. Even with the, like I like the loose it up. Like I, I like that reference. Uh, I, I do, but uh, you know, do you need it right then and there with everything else we've already heard? I think it's a fair question. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe for me this is definitely a generational thing too because I have now lived through two generations of different people being mad about too much nostalgia in Star Wars. <laughs> you know. And I think that, and I'm, I'm, I get why people make fun of Lucas's poetry. It's like poetry; it rhymes. I get it. But at this point, I, I love the those cycles and those moments where, uh, hey, the same thing is being faced, but in a different way by a different person under different conditions, and how do they handle it, or what are problems in moments that are just that that it's nature. Uh, nature has a cycle, and these things are going to happen. I love all that, but to be th- have gone through this like. You know, uh, people our age when the prequels came out were mad at any line that was uh, didn't even like, you know, the the wow. reuse of I've got a bad feeling about this because it's just it, nostalgia just pulling on our heartstrings. And then to have to go through a whole nother generation and have a bunch of people, on, you know, some of whom grew up now with the prequels. go like, oh, it's another Death Star. Therefore, The <laughs> Force Awakens is a bad movie, you know. <laughs> so I think there I have my own relationship with the nostalgia uh critique and then i think i just like okay let's uh let's not i don't want surface level nostalgia because everyone will get mad yeah yeah <laughs> and that's all we'll talk about so no surface level nostalgia let's do the deep star wars poetry no surface level nostalgia because everyone's gonna get mad for yeah. generations and generations over a thousand generations of people <laughs> mad at nostalgia and now that fight lives in you. <laughs> now that but this fight is yours <laughs> Was that reference to Finn's line from 20 years ago? Did that piss you off? Okay. Welcome to Star Wars. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, anything else that we haven't talked about that you would like to touch on? No, no. I, 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 no, I think the, I, I remember I was going to want to bring up that Anakin droid line, and, and, and uh, you, you did it well talking about the bigger, bigger discussion around that. So, no, all good. Uh, fun stuff. Fun watch. These episodes, 
uh, you just flow together really, really smoothly, a good use of an arc, you know, and, and setting the tone for what's to come in the Clone Wars series. Yeah, yeah. A um, couple things that I, I wanted to mention for the stuff we haven't touched on. Um, just a couple quotes I wrote down. There's a lot of great quotes that really build up. Uh, you know, uh, from what I hear, Skywalker's always ready for a fight is a great uh, quote. Uh, Yoda saying twice the trouble they have become <laughs> about Anakin and Ahsoka. Oh, so yeah. Pretty quick turnaround from we'll see how he does with the Padawan. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah sorry there's that look you're, you're right it's almost like i'd love the conversation that there was probably some de- debate around a table of i don't think anakin's ready yes he is and just it's almost like yoda was like oh, mistaken i may have been <laughs> to listen to caddy yeah it's so great um uh but i really like the ahsoka line uh where obviously obviously the attack on the malevolence is not going well the you know poor matchstick and tag have died um but the way Ahsoka gets through to Anakin of saying, Master, you can make it, but everyone else is getting shot down. Mm. It's just such a great, like, Anakin being so consumed with, it can be done, it can be done, don't hold me back, let me use my power. And, and Ahsoka having to po- you know, point out, I'm like, they aren't Jedi. They aren't one of the very best Jedi and pilots ever. <laughs> to get through to him is, is just great nuance and, and great wisdom from a young Ahsoka. Love it, love it. Um, uh, let's see the other thing that I wanted to talk about you touched on oh I just Nala say was awesome working on the medical outpost great uh, to see another Kaminoan or Kaminoan however you want to say it good Um, but the big thing you touched on it is just uh, Padme is only in this final episode and there's this uh, manipulation angle but I love uh, sometimes Padme doesn't get highlighted but when you look at what she has actually done like just consistently great in her character that she is taking this risk to look for a peaceful solution. Oh, the uh, the banking clan might want to discuss a treaty. They might want to negotiate uh, not being involved in the separatists again. So she's out there doing that. You see her get to be uh, resourceful, you know, blowing up her own ship, her, uh, her Nubian yacht to try to take out Grievous. Uh, ends up running the gunner station on the Twilight and getting complimented <laughs> by Obi-Wan on her shot. So... You know, everything she's doing is cool. She's fighting for peaceful solutions. Uh, she's fighting to blow things up when she has to. And yeah, the Anakin and Padme dynamic that you talked about that is young and in the relationship of, you know, uh, kissing in a dark tunnel on a rail jet while their, <laughs> while their lives are in danger. Clearly early in their uh, their relationship. Yeah. And there's, there's a, a good, if not ultimately healthy dynamic going on there. Not quite a tunnel of love at an amusement park, but it's uh, close enough for them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to wrap up, as we always do, with some fun questions. If you could have a figure of any character from this episode, who are you going to want? Sir, I'm going to want the Hunter Podroid pilot with just another day at the office action. <laughs> He's got his, he just kind of taps his fingers joyfully doing his murdering. Oh, man, I was going to say a two-pack with a Plo Koon and a Hunter Murderer droid would be pretty great. Uh but I, I would also take a, a jet rail uh, playset with Obi-Wan and Grievous. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Give me a jet rail Lego set where they, uh, they occasionally do the trains that actually work, but they're Lego. Uh, you sign me up for that, too. Yeah, absolutely awesome. Uh, so our next episode is uh, just a one episode, but it's going to connect to some episodes we just recently watched, introducing us to some clones. It is Rookies. It is season one, episode five. So if you're watching along with us, spend some quality time with that episode because we will on the next episode of Clone Wars Report. And as always, we like to close with a moral. Ken, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? 
the moral should be if you believe a droid being hit by a train is funny, then that conviction will carry you to comedy. <laughs> Have some conviction in comedy specifically droid related and absolutely a great moral. Uh, Ken, where can people find you? You can find me at uh, Ken Napsack. Go to KenNapsack.com for information on all the silly things I do. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Joseph Scrimshaw. You can find my website at Joseph Scrimshaw. And of course you can follow Force Center on all of the things, all the podcasts, all the Facebook, all the Twitter, uh, Patreon, uh, just Google Force Center and we are gonna pop up. So for now, from myself, from Ken, from Plo Koon, from that horrible hunter droid, here we go. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.